It's March 14th, and I'm glad you've chosen to join us for this fourth Sunday in the season of Lent. Let's pray. God, we come to worship, acknowledging our need of you. Thank you for taking our sin and loving us despite our many failings. Continue your work of healing in our hearts and minds. Amen. wilderness is without and within. It too is part of God's path, though we fear wild, barren places, as did the people of old. When the people became impatient, asking, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? God answered by bringing healing. In our barren places, God calls us to wholeness, even when we cannot see beyond the danger, isolation, and need. We forget that God is already at work in these difficult, painful places. 
Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the chosen one be lifted up, that whoever believes may have eternal life. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We We call call out to you as you call us to deeper healing. Psalm 107, 1 to 3, and 17 to 22. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy.
Deep calls to deep. We call to you from the depths of our hearts. We confess how the wilderness has revealed our need, uncovering our impatience, lifting up our pain. We confess how the wilderness has revealed your truth. We are created for good works. We can turn and live. Deep calls to deep. You call to us from the depth of your love. Calling us to deep healing, we come to you, God. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, all too often, we feel ourselves in a wilderness. We feel ourselves in a wasteland. We feel ourselves devoid of what we know that we need to feel whole. And so each of us, we go off and we try to find something to plug into that. We try to find something that will give us that. We try to find something that will bring us what we are missing. And we do that even knowing that we can find that in you. And so, Lord, for that, we apologize that we have the well before us, and yet we sometimes choose to let ourselves suffer thirst. God, we apologize. And so, God, we pray, please, when we are in this place, remind us that you are there. Remind us that you are reaching out. Remind us that there is fulfillment to be found in you. God, this we pray. And God, we also want to bring before you today the, the sad truth that sometimes we misorder how it is that our world should be. All too often we place finding pleasure or finding happiness as the God above us, as the definitions of our lives, as the only thing to be strove for. And when we do that, not only do we take our minds off of you, not only do we take our eyes off of you, we find ourselves hollowed as a result. Something that we know in the depths of our being hurts. Not only us, but is in many ways meant to hurt you as well. And so, God, we pray 
reorient our lives. Bring us out of this wilderness. Bring us out of this wasteland, God. Help us to focus not on our own gratification, but instead on everything that you bring for us, on everything that you bring to us, on help us to focus on you. And God, that we do this, we know how much greater even this pain is in the world around us with those that don't know your glory, that don't know the meaning that you bring, that don't know the purpose that you bring. And God, our hearts go out for them. And so, Lord, we pray that you show us how to care for those that are suffering in this way, suffering with feelings of meaninglessness and valuelessness and purposelessness that are doing nothing other than trying to live for their own happiness and their own pleasure, even though it is hurting them. God, we pray that you teach us how to be their neighbor, how to be their friend, how to bring them the healing that you brought us. And in doing so, how to bring you to them as well. Lord, we live in a world in desperate need of you, and we know that to the core of our being. So, Lord, we pray, teach us with your help to do just that. In your name we pray, amen. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. A young man stands there on the floor of the auditorium, surrounded by hundreds of other people. The music has just began to blare. We are the champions, the long dead Freddie Mercury croons as red and white balloons and streamers fall from a net on the ceiling down to the floor. Champagne finds its way into his hand. Other people on occasion come up and wrap their arms around him, pulling him in for a tight bear hug. They try to whisper something in his ear, but it is impossible to make out over the deafeningly loud tinnitus-inducing din that echoes from every corner of the room all at once. Then a banner rolls down across the stage. Victory, it reads. Two people, the newly elected officials, they climb onto the stairs, and walking over to the podium, they go to thank all in attendance for their hard work that got them where they are today. And in the mind of the young man in the crowd ran the following thoughts. Now things will be different he says to himself. Now things will be set right. Soon I will be happy. We skip to another scene. A man and a woman sit next to each other in a dimly lit restaurant. 
They are clearly sickeningly into one another. What do you do, she asks him, pushing a strand of hair behind her ear. He answers, nothing interesting, followed by a ten-minute explanation of the minutia of his occupation. Her eyes semi-glaze over, but not enough to stop her from periodically piping in with a well-timed, what does that mean, or, oh, that's pretty cool, to make sure that the conversation keeps flowing. You're just pretending to think that, the man jokes to this blind date he's on. A smirk on his lips, to which she lightly pushes his shoulder. No, I'm not. Their waiter rolls his eyes before tending to another customer. To someone looking on, by all accounts, the date goes extraordinarily well. The two of them make arrangements to find one another back at her place. 519 Chestnut Avenue, apartment 225. 519 Chestnut Avenue, apartment 225, he repeats to himself on loop in his head as he goes to the corner of the bar to settle up the tab. How do you want to pay, the host asks. Credit, he responds. Well, that looks promising, the host responds, pointing to the man's date, making light conversation in the hope of getting a higher tip. Yeah, I think she could really make me happy, the man replies. And now we go to yet another story. A young woman staring at her phone, just enraptured by it. She slides her finger from the top of the screen halfway down, waits another minute or two, and then does the same thing. Refresh, refresh, refresh. The number at the top of the app at first begins to rise. Refresh, refresh, and it's back down to where it began. Once checking stock balances took a whole lot more effort than it does today. Once unless you were on the floor of the exchange itself, you wouldn't know how anything had changed over the day until it was published in the newspaper the following morning. Now all it takes is another slide halfway down the screen. Refresh, refresh. Refresh, followed by either an intense feeling of self-satisfaction or self-gratification for being so clever as to pick the winners for the day. Or, if not that, that crippling gnawing in your stomach that comes with seeing your earnings melt away. By the end of the day, her thumb was painfully sore, though for the life of her, she couldn't really think of why. She had only made pennies from her starting position, but that was all that it took for the young woman to imagine the jets that one day she would buy that would fly her to her island paradise. Bora Bora, she thought to herself, then I will be happy. And another scene. A young father sits in a chair, his daughter holding his finger as she drifts off to sleep after a long day of nonsense. As he looks into her slowly closing eyes, he thinks to himself of all the things he could remember doing when he was her age. He remembered climbing on rocks in the field, he remembered going biking with his friends to the corners of the earth, and he smiles, thinking of all the fun his daughter would one day have herself. His daughter began to lightly snore as he reminisced, but then, as it got later, his mind started to shift to all of the things of his childhood that were not fond memories. All the things that hurt, all the things that he wished he could have done but didn't. The hockey league that he wanted to be a part of but didn't make the cut. The Super Nintendo that he wanted so badly to own but his family just couldn't afford at the time. The music lessons that he now wished that he had stuck with, conveniently forgetting the true extent to which he hated them then. The time was late enough now that the part of our brains that filters out the woe is me thoughts had lifted off and drifted away as his precious baby slept before him, still squeezing his finger tight. The forced air kicked in and blew the blinds just enough to let a beam from the yard light flow in and rest on her small face. 
You are going to have everything I didn't, he whispered to her softly, as he had many times before. I am going to do whatever I can to make you a force to be reckoned with. You are going to be all the legacy I could ever ask for. Then, oh, that would make me happy. Just two more. A young woman sits at her desk in her cubicle. At the job she has sunk way too much of her life into to admit that she truly hates it. The memo went around earlier that day. After a life of faithful service to the company, the associate manager in charge of external development of Region 3 was retiring. And that could only mean one thing for this young woman. That after what felt like forever, there was finally going to be an opening to move up into. More than that, this opening was not just one, not two, but three rungs higher on the food chain than where she currently sat. And so as she went home that night, she began to work to get her game face on. Her first stop as she left work was to the park near where she lived, and she ducked into a bathroom there, swapping out her work shoes for a pair of runners and her outfit for a tank top and sweats. The satisfaction found and comfort wafted over her as she carefully placed her nice clothes on the passenger seat of her car so that they wouldn't wrinkle. Then she began to run. The entire time, her mind was laser-focused on what she was going to do to convince management that it was her they were missing on their team, that it was her that they needed to bring the division into the future. Scenario after scenario, case after case that she could make to convince them went through her mind. And after a time, she got back to the car, to which she immediately looked down at her watch to check her runtime. She had beaten her old one by almost 15 seconds. She drove home, absolutely stoked. Immediately after closing her front door, she walked to the fridge to grab something cold to drink, following which she would tell her roommate both the news as well as her plans. Not long into that conversation, though, she found herself getting a little annoyed at just how little her roommate seemed to care. I didn't even think you liked your job, he said. I don't know. I like it fine, she replied. But this new position, I think in this one I could really be happy. Here's the last story. A young man stands in front of the mirror in his bathroom. He glances down at the scale that he is standing on and he shakes his head. He tucks the scale away and he brushes his teeth, does his hair, heads down the stairs for breakfast. His father meets him in the kitchen, handing him a plate of bacon, eggs, and toast. But the young man shakes his head. Nah, I'm trying to lose weight, he says. While many a homemaker would have taken this as a bit of a slap in the face, his father just kind of shrugs and takes the food for himself, tossing his son one of the pieces of toast. You need to eat something, he says, to which the young man looks a little annoyed, but finally relents and scarfs the bread down much faster than he thought he would. After a quiet lull, the father talks again. What are you wanting to lose weight for anyway? You're in fine shape. After a moment of shaking his head in that infuriating way that some people can muster, the young man responds a bit annoyed to have to be talking in the first place. I just think I'd be a little happier with a couple less pounds, you know? Alright, story's done. And I suspect all of us can see some part of ourselves in some way in at least one of them. It does feel good to be happy, doesn't it? There is a moment in it when you can almost lose yourself, a moment in happiness where you just trick yourself into thinking that this is going to be how it is from now on. This is where you are going to be for the rest of your life. 
And that seems to be doubly true when what you were dealing with is that all-elusive pursuit of happiness that so many people keep going on and on about. That feeling that if only I can do this, or if only this thing happens to me, then, then I can be truly happy. If only my party wins the election, then I can be happy. If only I can get together with that person that I have my eyes on, then I can be happy. If only I can get some money, or if only I can secure my legacy, or if only I can get that big promotion or lose those last few pounds, then, then this feeling of something missing in me will be gone. Then this feeling that something is not yet right will vanish. Then this feeling that I don't really have any purpose or that I don't really have any value, it will disappear if only this thing happens. Then I will finally, finally have it all. And then of course, if we are lucky enough to get whatever that thing is, we are sure ecstatic for a little bit, but then the feeling fades. And in its place, we are left assigning for ourselves another object for us to strive for. Another thing that if only we can get that now, then we will be complete. On and on, until our graves. It's dust in the wind, my brothers and sisters. It's tears in the rain. Happiness is wonderful. Happiness is a great feeling. That is true. And what's more is that I don't even think there's anything wrong with trying to seek it out as long as you do it within reason. There's nothing wrong with striving within sensibility to do things that make you happy. That's what hobbies are after all. But if you peg your feelings of value to it, to happiness, to being happy, to finding happiness, to getting happiness, if you peg your feelings of, what will it take for me to feel like I am worth something? Or what will it take to complete me to the idea of, if only I do this thing, I will be happy. Then I am sorry, but all your life is only going to be chasing after something that you will at best find for wisps of moments. But more likely than not, will always be just a step beyond you. Your life will be fleeting moments of rapture interspersed with long droughts of the soul. Because of course it will. You've pegged your feelings of value to a moving goalpost. How can that ever give you anything other than a feeling of rarely measuring up? Happiness is the feeling in us that is a reward for something. And because of that, like all feelings, in time it fades. To make something like that the basis of how you measure yourself as a person is to say that the value of a fire can be seen by the amount of smoke it puts off. Even though a fire always smokes the most right before it's about to go out. Now when it comes to talking about feelings of lack of purpose and lack of value and lack of meaning, there's always that possibility that there is some amount of mental health issues that can be addressed. In which case, if this is a feeling that keeps going on, I do, of course, say, talk to your doctor. See if there is a treatment for the way forward. But at the same time, realizing that mental health issues are not, to focus purely on trying to obtain happiness or some other feeling like that, it leads to these feelings of valuelessness, purposelessness, and lack of meaning inevitably. 
And yet this is what our society teaches us is the meaning of life. To be happy is the goal touted to us by every commercial you've ever seen, every book, every movie, every episode of a TV show you've ever watched. We consume this message, we embody it, and then we wonder why we feel like lost husks made in the image of people as often as we do. We wonder why our entire life feels like we are running as fast as we can after nothing. We wonder why we feel we are struggling with everything we are, and yet we have no purpose. Again, it's breath in the wind. But a life well lived, I am increasingly sold, isn't one dedicated to being happy. Instead, I'm pretty sure it's about finding the fire under the smoke. It's about finding the meaning in it all, the world and us, striving to find value in a creation that we are often taught to think of as an inch deep and a mile wide. It's about finding that all-elusive purpose to our lives. And that is one of the many things our passage today, as well as the entire book of Ecclesiastes, but that's a story for a different day, but it's one of the many things that our passage today is about. It begins with Jesus being described as the serpent lifted up to be seen. In the story of Moses that this is referencing, thousands of Israelites had fallen deathly ill due to venomous snakes rampaging through their camp. So God commanded Moses, take a snake and lift it high on a staff, and all that look upon it will be healed of their affliction. And so too John tells us that this is what it means to behold Christ. Look to him, all you who have eyes to see and ears to hear, John proclaims. Look at the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, you who are constantly sick, in this case, constantly empty. You who are constantly chasing something that cannot but fleetingly be found. You who struggle with the why of it all, look to Christ. For in him, there is actually something. And you can tell that there is something. Because just beholding him, we're told, brings healing. And how can this be? Well, because he is God reaching out to us. If there was ever something that can define and give value, if there was ever something that can apply meaning to all of creation, ourselves included, if there was ever something that can bestow purpose to it all, then who else could do that but the one who predates it all? who made it all, who exists apart from it all and above it all, yet chooses constantly to maintain it all from moment to moment. Who else could give value to the valueless, meaning to the meaningless, purpose to the purposeless, than the one who made it all with purpose in mind to begin with? If there was ever a place where true value could be found in our lives, and as such, that healing that we all long for, it would be in the one who defined true value in the first place, God. And that to even behold Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, to even behold him, that that brings healing of all of the afflictions of a fallen world that shows this truth like nothing else. Because it means that in Christ we can see what human beings truly made are meant to be. 
It means that if we want purpose, if we want value, if we want to find meaning in our lives, we can find that by getting as close to Christ as we possibly can, by seeing him as truly as we possibly can, ultimately by living lives as close to Christ as we possibly can. And if this is true, the rest of the passage then carries on, then know it is easier than you think to do just that. After all, God sent Christ to us to find us and love us, to build a relationship with us, and in that, heal us from what is causing our slow deaths due to sin. That is the point of the most famous verse in the entirety of Scripture, John 3.16. And because of just that, it is impossibly easy to even this day get as close to Jesus, as close to God, as we ever possibly could. Christ is there when you open your Bibles to read. Christ is there when you pray. Christ is there when you come to church to learn more about him with other believers. And when you do that, and when you get to know him better, you will find it always easier to live like he does. Live like God made human beings to live. And in that we can find just so much of what we feel to be lacking in us. Happiness is a wonderful feeling, so enjoy it as you find it. But a life well lived is one more full than chasing after a feeling will ever get you. A life well lived is one spent finding meaning, finding value, finding purpose. All of which can be found by living as did the Son that God sent to save the world.
Today's benediction comes from the book of Romans. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go now and serve our God.